Last week it was 52 days. Now it's 45 days till Christmas. I'm helping any of you that are not shoppers, who are not, who is not a shopper or a gift buyer by nature in the room. I my hands up. <laughs> my wife takes care of that. She loves to do it. So we haven't yet got to the stage that I mentioned last week that she's buying her own gifts, but anything's possible, I suppose. If you notice this morning, uh, Pastor Daniel is out. He's speaking at uh, City Collective Church in Langley. Pastor Mike is speaking at Richmond Christian Fellowship. And then also Nick Arkley is speaking in Cloverdale at Open Door Foursquare. So we have uh, three people out ministering, and we're, that we're grateful for that. It's a great uh, opportunity that we have to support and help other churches. So it's really, really good. I'm going to read one verse, and then I'll get into this morning. Uh, Matthew 5 and 16 says, Let somebody say, let. I'm, I'm taking in the same way. Let your light shine before others that they may see your, let's see the bold part, good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In the same way, let your light shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Okay. You might have also seen one of these. These are not... Uh, Somebody saving a seat. These are actually what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. These are the, this kind of gives the heart of why we do what we do in locally, regionally, and around the world to extend and help and be a blessing to others, not just ourselves. We're not about just ourselves. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end uh, as well. Well, this series, in case you haven't already guessed it, is about money. And money can have all, as soon as we start talking about that, people have all kinds of reaction. People who are like good with it are like, yeah, go, you preach them, pastor. Other people who are like, you shut up, pastor. Like, but in case of an emergency, if you feel overcome, just put your head between your knees and breathe deeply and you will make it through. An oxygen mask may drop from the ceiling in the, if you feel like there's a great emergency happening. But seriously, we want to talk about a subject that we all deal with every day, and that's money and how we handle it, how we spend it, how we uh, are a legacy through it. But we'll start with this, and I've shared this uh, joke before, but it bears repeating, because there was two men who were marooned on an island. One of them was really panicking. We are going to be stuck here for the rest of our life. What are we going to do? We've got to build a fire. We've got to get some coconuts. We've got to. It's always best to be stranded on a, a tropical island, not an island in the Arctic, just saying. I, I, on another note, why don't they ever do Survivor up in the Arctic? Come on. Like, they think they're all really tough on a tropical island, sun every day. Let them put them up there with the Inuit, see if they can do it. Anybody else would be down with that. But anyway, these two men were on a desert, deserted island, stranded, thought they were going to be there for the rest of their life. And one was so freaked out about it, and the other guy was sitting and sunning himself. The first man says to him, how can you do this? We're about to die. We've got to build a boat. We've got to make a fire. We've got to do something because we are stuck here and we'll die here if we don't begin to do something. The second man says, don't worry about it. I make 10,000 bucks a week, man, and I tie that Horizon Church. They're doing Legacy Series this week. Pastor Craig will find me. <laughs> There's college students who, maybe this is you, you know money talks, and all yours is just saying goodbye. Is that true of college students, right? There was after years of scrimping and saving a 
Husband told his wife the good news. Honey, we finally got enough money to buy what we started saving for in 1989. She's like, you mean it? We're going to get a new Cadillac? He said, no, we're going to get a 1989 Cadillac. <laughs> money. We work for it. We save it. We depend on it. We need it in so many different ways. We never seem to have enough. We're familiar with just getting by. Some of you are doing really well, and some are floundering in the room. Every space. And there's, this is not a space for condemnation or any of that. It's just a place for information, allow the information of God to transform us and our perspective. And we feel stretched as it is, things seeming to get more expensive. We live in what they tell us is one of the most expensive cities in North America. How many of you would say amen to that? You can feel it. More than half of Canadians say they're just $200 away from insolvency at the end of every month. And nearly as many regret how much debt they've taken on. This is in a survey from 2017. And one in ten said they have less than $100 each month left over after meeting all their expenses. While nearly one-third said they don't have enough money to cover their expenses. So it's a real issue. Yet often churches avoid talking about money because of all the things Perhaps because we've seen the stereotypical TV evangelist that is asking for money from so many different spaces and has a large mansion and four cars and three jets and, and sells you holy water on the side. Or we've seen the manipulation of people to give. And in our attempt to correct the issue, as we often do, we swing to the other side and say, well, we're just not going to talk about it. Because we don't want any of what that's about, so we're not going to talk about it. But I never like to be one who lives in extremes. I believe that we should talk about difficult topics so that we can find out what God says about it. Because people would say, well, Pastor, why don't you talk about really churchy things like prayer and worship and the Holy Spirit and uh, things like that. How to save the world and save the animals and whatever it might be. But do you know that Jesus talked about this subject of money, more than he talked about heaven and hell combined. There are 500 verses on heaven, around 500 in the scriptures, around 500 verses on hell, and over 2,000 on money and possessions. Because I think there's something to the fact that depending on how you handle it, will, life will feel like heaven or it will feel like hell. That's sometimes how it is, I believe. And this whole thing around money is, when we talk about it, I'm not talking about it from the place of somebody who's got it all figured out every day of the week and every day does it right. I've been through stupid decisions. I've done stupid things with money. There's things I regret doing with money. There's things I wish I had done sooner with money. But here I am. And I'm in the process of learning all the time of how to be better and live better with my money because we have 31 inner city schools where children need to know that there's a church and a God that loves them. We have prisoners that need to be restored. We have mission fields that need to be reached. We have cities that need to be touched. We need God's hope released in homes where people are, homes are splitting up and marriages are dissolving. There's college students that need to know that there's a God who loves them and has a purpose for their life. That whether the world ends in 12 years or 200 years, that God still has a purpose for your life. And we're not going to check out now. We're going to believe that God will use us and use you in whatever space and place that you're in.
There are needs that require more time to be given. There are hurts that require more love. There are needs that require more finances. And most of us would agree we'd like to help, but maybe we feel tapped out or maxed out or have never really engaged in that. But what if God devised a way and a means to meet the needs of the world? What if it was always God's heart to see the poor helped? What if it was always God's heart to see the unreached reached, to see the unknown known, to see the broken made well through the church? What if there was an answer that you and I could participate in? Well, my personal experience of receiving, there are times when we were really struggling. I think around when we just had our third, third child and did not have enough to live on. <clears throat> times where the, la the last thing that we had literally was potatoes in the bottom of the hamper. I know what it is to be a, have much and I know what it is to have little. I prefer one over the other, I'll just say that. But you know what, as we've been on the receiving end in times like that, where money would show up, people would shake your hand and you would hold it back and there would be 40 or $50 in it. There's been moments like that for us where we would hear a knock on the door and go out and there's no one there but two or three bags of groceries. People who invited us over to their home and fed us. People who would make food for us. I've been on that side of receiving. And it's okay to be in that space if you're in that space. All of us have experienced, and all of us, where we're at today is because of someone else. Not totally, but because of someone else. Someone else helped you get where you are. And you might say, no, I didn't. I did it all by myself. Well, the school that you went to was built by the taxes of somebody else. The road that you go on has been built by the taxes of other people. The business that you build, all of it is not just by you. And then there's this whole other thing of God helping you and making a way for you, and it's not all just you. And so we all have received in one form or the other, and the, the reality is, is that receiving is good, but God wants us to also not just always be receivers, but also say, God, would you help me to be a giver? Would you help me to move on to bless other people? Because this is what this series is all about, the, the legacy that we have as Jesus followers. It says this in Matthew 5 and 14. You are the light of the world. If a city is set on a hill, it cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Everyone sees the light. Jesus actually intended that everyone would see him through his people. And then it goes on to say this, in the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, there's a legacy as God has worked in us and made us a light. He wants us to be a light. As he's blessed our life, he wants us to bless the lives of others. We want to be a people that follow Jesus and leave a legacy of good works on the earth. 
and a legacy that causes people to glorify our Father in heaven. It's not just good works, and it's not just about heaven. It's both, and it's end. It's helping the poor, and it's pointing them to Jesus. It's pointing people to Jesus and saying, He's your help, and He's your source. It's helping to fill their, their stomach. It's helping to reach people who are unreached in every way. There's a legacy. Legacy is a gift or a be- bequest that's handed down. It's conveyed from one to another. It's something that has come into our possession that was transmitted, inherited, or received from a predecessor. You know, this building, uh, can you go back to the title slide, please? That on there, you can see it's a blueprint. That's a blueprint of this property that was made many, many years ago. You're sitting in the legacy of people who went before you. You're sitting in a room that was once a dream and once just some writing on a paper and you're sitting in the middle of it right now. What would it look like if one day those that are way beyond us, our spiritual children, our sons and daughters, people that have yet to find Jesus would sit in a place of new, of being touched by God, of being ministered to by God, of seeing their lives transformed that we dreamed about, that we believed about, that we sowed into, that we gave towards so that others could encounter the reality of Jesus, that our light could shine so that others would see God. There you can see in the room. You could try, probably try, I think you're sitting in about above the, above the G there, just above the G and around that 44, if you can read that. If you don't, there's all kinds of help you can get for that. But <clears throat> legacy is about building a story that outlives us. It's about having an impact that's larger than you. It's about something that's passed down. It gives others a step up so that they can go further than we went. I'm so grateful that I had an opportunity as a young man to go to university and go to college that maybe my parents didn't have, but because they struggled and worked and made a way, I was able to do what they couldn't do. And I'm able to step and go further because of their investment in me. And not just financially, but also prayerfully, and also getting behind me, encouraging me, and giving me a kick in the rear when I needed it. That's the legacy that I get to live out and move further in because of what's been given to me. It's about living the life that we're created for. Legacy has always been about something that's bigger than you. It goes further than you can do in yourself. It's about God making a way for your life to have impact beyond you. For many, though, we think that that's about something when we pass away. It's associated not with the beginning or the end, about, but when we pass away. But your life is not shaped and your legacy is not made at the end of the road, but rather by the moments shared, the decisions made, and the actions taken along the way. I don't know if you've ever been to a funeral. Uh, I was, one of my first funerals that I did was in Campbell River, and I went and met with, they were not church people, but they called the church, and so we went to meet with them, and I went, and I was probably like 27 years old and scared, uh, how am I going to do this? And when I got there, the, one of the first things they said is, do not make this man into a saint. He was a miserable cuss. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, what do you mean? Well, he was mean. He was cranky all the time. He didn't pay his bills, but we're going to have a service. And so you figure it out, pastor. Okay. He had a legacy. 
Every one of us in the room has a legacy that's built, not at the end, but by moments along the way, decisions that we make, investments that we make in people, in lives around us, in family. Some of us might be regretting our legacy right now, but it's all right in God. We're thankful that it's, we can move forward in, with the help and the grace of heaven. But God is always about helping us to build a legacy, not just about our name, but that through our life, others' lives would be different. And through our life, others' lives would be changed in a good way. Leave a legacy. In other words, the life you live is the legacy that you leave. Right now, you, we're at, whatever your age, if you're 20 years old, you already have a legacy to this point. Wherever you're at, whatever age, it's not dependent upon that. It's dependent upon the choices you make and the investments you make and the, and the love that you give and release through your life. And it's so incredibly important that we have the right perspective around money and around finances because how we handle them will determine how we move forward with them. Some of us have a perspective that might be very right on, but this morning I think that all of us can have some place that we could be adjusted in it because it's about a legacy of seeing people that are, need to be reached. It's about seeing the poor helped. It's about seeing slaves freed. It's about seeing uh, goodness go forward in the world. It's about pushing back darkness. It's about moving forward in the goodness of God. It's about seeing a, a Metro Vancouver change. It's about seeing a, uh, your family change. It's about seeing your grandchildren change. And so what we do here is incredibly important that our perspective around money, finances, time, talent, and treasures, you will hear a lot here, is incredibly important because are we building our legacy are we building a legacy that will outlive us, that will reach further, that will allow people to be reached, that will allow the world to be changed? Maybe your perspective needs to be adjusted. There was a rich man who was quite distressed over the prospect of not being able to take his riches with him before he died. So before he died, he loaded his briefcase with two gold bars from his private vault and left instructions to have the case locked with the key, handcuffed to his wrist, and, in, and the key placed into his grave clothes. His family carried out his orders correctly to the letter. And when he appeared at the pearly gates, he had the briefcase with him, key in hands. Peter asked him, what do you have in that briefcase? Very proudly, the man unlocked the case, opened it, displayed his two gold bars. And Peter said, isn't that special? You brought pavement. He'll get it. Paved with streets of gold. And sometimes our investment and our perspective on what's really important gets messed up. It's not just how much we have. It's what we do with what we have. Martin Luther, this is not a new problem, in the hundreds of years ago said this, there's a need for a conversion of the heart, there's a need for a conversion of the mind, and there's a need for a conversion of the wallet. I love it when I preach like this and people are just like, But Genesis 12, 1 and 2, we're moving on. Abram went into a new place. It says this, the Lord, Abram was uh, one of the ancient fathers of the faith, lived several thousand years ago. His story is recorded in one of the first books of the Bible in Genesis. He was the, uh, the one who God first had this encounter with that started the whole uh, Jewish faith from which the Christian faith comes out of. And the Lord said to Abraham, had said, go from your country, somebody say your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. 
I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And because of Jesus, we have access, if you're a Christ follower, to this promise and to this blessing. He said, God said, my heart is to bless you. My heart is to bless you. Let your perspective be that I am good, that I want to bless you, that I want to help you to uh, your name to be great. I want to pour out on your life. Why? So that you can be a blessing, so you can help somebody else be great. I want to pour into your life. I want to bless your life. I want your life to have this aroma of blessing on it such that there's an overflow out of your life that touches and helps somebody else's life. It's never just about me. It's always about us. It's always never just about the people in the room. It's about the people that are outside the room. There may be 400 in the room. There's 450,000 or 500,000 in Surrey. There may be 400 in this room or maybe 5,000 or 10,000 gathered like this in Surrey today. But in Metro Vancouver, there's probably two and a half million that desperately need to know Jesus. And when God says, I want to bless your life, he says, I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing. I do want to make your name great so that you can help others to be great. So you can pick somebody up and say, God has been a blessing in my life, and I'm going to help you come up a little higher. God has blessed me, and I want to bless you. You might feel like you're down, but God sees you. And how do you know that he sees you? Because I've showed up, and with the blessing he's given my life, I'm going to pour out upon your life. I'm going to speak hope into your life. I'm going to tell you that the end is not yet. I'm going to tell you that it might be a storm that's overcome, but God God is here right now, and he's showing up in the people of God. I'm blessing you to be a blessing. Let our perspective start that everything that every good and perfect gift comes down from God. Every blessing that is in my life is because God has placed it in my life. Every good thing that has come in my life is because of the grace and the goodness of God. And let our perspective be that God is good, that he is my provider. He is blessing my life. And though I might right now be walking through something that I don't understand, I believe this, that he who has begun a good work in me. will be faithful to complete it. I'm not stopping until he's done. I'm going to keep moving forward because my God is good and he's working when I don't feel it. He's working when I don't see it. He's moving on my behalf and he is good. He is good. He is good. He is good. His blessing is overtaking me. He's When I turn around, I see that my Psalm 512 says that I'm surrounded with his favor like a shield. So that means when I go into difficult situations, which I I have. When I walk through difficult times, which I have, I don't take the posture of a victim. I take the posture that my God is for me. He's moving for me. He's helping me. I don't know what I have to learn in this moment, but God helped me to learn it because you have bl- everything you do in my life is to bring me to a higher place. It's bring me to the place that I'm a blessing. Bring me to the place that you make my name great so that I will be a blessing in the world, that my life will be a blessing, that I will lay my head down one day and say, God, thank you that you moved in my life. Thank you that I was able to give. Thank you that I was able to love. Thank you that I was able to sow. Thank you that you poured into my hand so that I could pour out of my hand. God is for me. It changes everything. If you think you're in it all alone, then you will be a hoarder. But if you believe that God is for you, that the source of your blessing is from God, then it's much easier to release it out of your hand. 
And the biggest thing that causes a problem in the area of legacy is because we don't believe that God is good. We actually believe that the things that happen in our life are dependent upon us. But the grace and the goodness of God empowers us. The grace and the goodness of God resources your life. The grace and the goodness of God, it's He who is beginning the work in your life. And suddenly that takes the pressure off. It's easy to give when I know that it didn't come from the smartness of my head. It didn't come from just a good idea that I had. It didn't come from just the inheritance that was dropped into my lap. Look what happened, though. I should preach what I wrote down some point here. For God to do something new in your life, He often has to change your perspective. Look what He said to Abraham. Go from your country, go from your people to someplace new. He often has to take you out of old thinking. He asked that you, there's things that you think that you might have to let go of. There might be cultural stereotypes around finances that you need to let go of. A, a mindset that has shaped you of never enough of there's lack, there's poverty, that's my lot in life. You know, the joke about Scotsmen, my heritage is Scottish. The joke about Scottish is how cheap they are. How cheap they are. When you open their wallet, you hear a scream, and that's not anybody but their money. We're going to be going out. Ah! They go out so, ra so rarely out of a Scotsman's wallet, right? I can say that. I'm a Scotsman. But that's a cultural stereotype. That's not a kingdom, that's not a kingdom reality. Because God never intended anyone to be miserly. Be a good steward, but don't be a miser. So I need to let go of some old ways so that I can walk in God's ways. I need to get, let go of some thinking over here that is shaping my reality around how I handle my money. If you never believe there's enough, you'll do one of two things. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you will die. Like, live it up. Charge it up, baby. And here we go, because, hey, easy come, easy go. Or you'll live the other way, where you're like, every squirrel, don't spend that. Why did you? You looked at that. That's like spending it. No, it's not. It's not the same. Yes, but I know how it all starts. Evil begins with the first look. That's how it's all going to be. Like, we can live crazy. But when we understand, and our perspective is shaped by, God is blessing my life. And if I walk in, in trouble right now, God's going to get me through it. Now, I, I don't have the smarts to get myself out of the trouble. I'm too, I was the dummy that got me in it. I'm going to need somebody smarter than me to get me out of it. You could have said amen on that because, you know, pastor, we, we can agree with that. There might be mindsets that our family is always broke. Old ways have to go. We're suffocating in debt. Old ways have to go. We're barely making it. Old ways have to go. God wants to bless you. He wants to make you great. And here's the perspective. You will be a blessing so that you can be a blessing. You will have a blessing so you can be a blessing. It's in you to give is how the Red Cross says it. It's in you to give everything. The time that you've been given, the talents that you've been given, the treasure that you've been given, it's in you to give. It's in you to be a blessing. We have two hands. One's to receive, the other's to give. We're meant to be a conduit and not a reservoir. We're not just meant to be survivors. We're meant to be blessers. We're meant to be givers. We're meant to be ones that would, whatever. 
Now, sometimes when we make it just about money, we say, I don't know how I can't give in comparison to them. That's not what we're talking about. All of us should be givers because we have all been blessed. So we can give with our time. We can give with our talents. We can give with our treasure. All of us have some of that to a certain extent. This person who has $1 million should give more than the person who has $100. Equal sacrifice, not equal amounts. But we all participate in giving. We all do. Two hands, one to receive with, and one to, what's the other one for? To give with. Everything that comes into my hands can flow out of my hands. Someone said that the world has yet to see what, or how much money God could put into someone's hands who doesn't get sticky with the money he puts through their hands. If our perspective on God is wrong, our perspective on money will never be right. And we'll forever struggle with how to handle it. But if our perspective on God and money is right, money will be a servant to me, not a master over me. If our perspective on God and money is right, that's what happens. Abram was going into new territory. He needed new ways of thinking, new ways of living. You need to recognize what God is wanting to do in and through you. That he wants to leave a legacy through your life, not just when you pass away, but with the decisions you make, the choices you make, the investments that you make, the way that you give, the way that you love, the way that you serve, the way that you pour out on others, that that's leaving a legacy every day. But you need new keys to open new doors of opportunity for your business. You might need some new keys to open new ways of thinking for your family. You might need some new keys to open new doors of opportunity that you have not yet walked through. That God would help you. That God would bless you. That God would bless you with the wisdom to know what to do and how to do it. That this is not you by yourself. We can bring God into every area of our life, but somehow the area of our finances is an area where it's a no-go zone. We think he's going to take everything from us, but we are meant to be a conduit that God could just pour through. And if you stop God from having access to your finances, you stop the flow of what God wants to flow through your life. And so when you say, God, I don't want you to have any input into this area of my life, he says, okay, I'll just... I have to step back then. You're the one who says no. But God, when we begin to say yes to his way and yes to his plan and yes to his strategies and yes to his keys, what begins to flow from him, see, he's a never-ending resource. He's a, a resource that will never run out. He has more than enough. He meets all my needs according to his riches, not according to my lack, and begins to flow them so that it can flow through my life, that the world can begin to see the light of God, that through my good deeds as I give to the poor, as I help the widow, as I serve the orphan, as I help the school, as I help the homeless, as I pour money, as I do all that, then people begin to see, oh, wow, I can argue with what it means to be a Christian. I don't really like you, but I can't argue with what you do. I can't argue with how you serve. I can't argue with how you invest. I can't argue with how you pour out. And then suddenly they begin to see this is something that's supernatural because it's not natural to give sacrificially. It is is unnatural. But when God begins to do something in your heart, it becomes much easier because it's easy to pour out because you know that there's more pouring in. And you say, God, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. I'm not going to be moved by compulsion. I'm not going to be moved by guilt. I'm going to be moved by your voice. And if you say give, I'll give. Not a popular message, but it's God's message. I really believe it. God's blessing to you is so that you can be, he can be a blessing through you. I don't know if you, how, there are certain people in the room that love escape rooms. Has anybody ever done an escape room before? 
It's a room where you go. They lock you in the room, which is right there. Like, I'm not really cool with that. (laughs) Small space, and you're in there with a lot of people. And there's clues around the room that will help you to find the key to get out of the room. And if you find the clues, and sometimes they have to be in the right order, but you need all the clues most of the time to get the keys to get you out of the room. It's called an escape room. You need the keys to get through, and then you get through one level, and then you go to the next level, and then there's people who do this for fun and dates. Like, this would be the quickest way for us to have a fight. (laughs) Why are you doing that? No, it's not the right answer. But you need the right keys to get to the next level. And I want to share with you some keys right now, just five, six keys that I believe is going to help you to move to the next level, because old ways won't open new doors. It's more than just about getting by. It's about being a blessing. I'm going to give you a little more content than I normally do because I want, there's a lot you could say about money, but I don't have three days to talk. Unless you want to stay. I mean, (laughs) how do I answer that? (laughs) You're not staying. I will not stay here for three days talking. But just some keys that I think all have to work together. Because sometimes what church says is just give more, and it's about far more than that. We want to take a much more holistic approach, a much wider approach than that. It, giving is, part of the, is one of the keys, but it's not the key. It's one of the keys. The first key is a stewardship key. That's a recognition that everything I have, and we've touched on this already, belongs to and comes from God. I am a steward of what God's given me. And as I'm faithful with little, I will be given much. It's His And I want to spend it how he wants me to. I want to enjoy the blessing of it. It's okay to enjoy your finances. It's okay to enjoy the blessing of God as well as steward it well because God gives blessing to you so that he can be a blessing through you. The second key is the working key. You think, why do you have to say this? Well, there are people today uh, in our culture that believe that they shouldn't have to work. And the Bible has a words for that. I'm not talking about people who can't work or are unable to work. I'm talking about people who don't want to work. The, the Bible says if you, if you don't want to work, you shouldn't eat. And we're not going to push that too hard. But the reality is, is that we can easily slip into a victim mentality where we believe that somebody else is supposed to make a way for me. Somebody else is supposed to work for me. All that kind of stuff. But we're all called. I need to work with what I've been given. My time, my talents, my treasure. And in our culture today, with what you've been given, with the gift of God that's on your life, with His help, take the course that you need to take. Get the degree that you need to get. Get the, the, the help, the trade that you need to do. Start a side hustle. Do whatever you have to do. But work hard. Work is not a curse. Work is a blessing. Before sin ever came into the world, God said, I want you to join with me in work. Work is a blessing. Work keeps you, some of us out of trouble. I see that hand. Work, work provides for us. Work keeps us humble. And work is part of how we partner with God in seeing the world change. Work is not a bad thing. It's not a swear word. God will bless you. And this is what I love about this. It says, the Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens to give you the rain in your land and its seasons, and to bless all the work of your hand. You need God to bless your work. 
You need God to show you how to go further in your work. You know, and my grandma used to say this to me when I was washing the dishes, and I'd about it. Craig, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Grandma, I don't need to hear that right now. Craig, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Oh, I'm just doing some stupid dishes. Oh, no, I'm shaping my character to know that work is good. Work helps me. Work helps move me forward from where I am. And when I see an opportunity to work that God opens for me, it always opens an opportunity to something greater. It helps me to leave a greater legacy. And some of us need to take a look at how we approach our own work. God, thank you that you've blessed me. Thank you that you're providing work for me. It's not the best job for me right now, Lord, but I thank you that you make a way. Thank you that you're training me. Thank you that you're helping me. And that working is still good. It's still good. The giving key. Acts 20, 35, it says that we are more blessed to give than to receive. We believe that except at Christmas time, right? More blessed to give than to receive. And that's just simply yielding what's in my hand into someone else's hand. And that's what we believe here at Horizon Church, that it's a giving of the tithe, the 10% off the top that we return to God as acknowledgement that He is our provider and He is our helper. And then there's the opportunity to give generously of offerings into all different ways and spaces. Giving makes me more like God. Give, you want to help the poor and the inequity in our culture? Be a giver. God giving helps the poor. Giving spreads the gospel. Give me, giving draws me closer to God. Giving make, breaks the grip of materialism on my life. It strengthens my faith because I trust God. The legacy is to me and then through me. The next one is the receiving key. And this one, I've heard people say, well, I just, I'm just happy with what I got. I don't want more. I don't want, I don't want anything more than just what I, I've got enough to live on. And that's okay. That's a certain level of faith. But there's also the part here that God wants to pour more into your life so he can pour more through your life. That we would believe and say, I don't want to be a just enough person, but I need to learn to be a receiver. How, I don't receive gifts very well. I never know what to do. My family is like, will you get more excited? I am excited. This is the same as when I'm happy, the same as when I'm sad. That's it. But I've had to learn how to receive well because this is, this is what it means. When I receive well, it honors the person who gave it to me. And when I receive well from God, it honors him. And see, here it is. I should expect a, late, a return on my labor, a return on my investments, a return on my efforts. I, shouldn't, I don't give to get but I don't give to lose. Because God wants to pour into my life. I need to be a receiver. Expect God. Let him determine what it looks like. But if my perspective is that uh, I will bless, be blessed to be a blessing, I should expect to receive something from God so that it can come to my life and then through my life. All seeds will produce more than what was planted. So when I give, I'm expecting that more will come back. Do you give to get? Don't get hung up on that. I let God determine how he blesses me because sometimes I give in finances and sometimes it comes back that way. Sometimes it comes when he makes my car last longer than it should. Sometimes it comes back in a blessing of protecting me in some other way. I don't know. I let God determine that, but I am one that believes that God wants to bless me. And so I give and I really want to receive so that I can be a blessing through my life. Plant well and pray well. And number five is the managing key. And I just got to watch my time. God evaluates how we use it. It's the quality of financial management, not the quantity of financial management. Good biblical management is not how much money you make, but what you do with the money you do make. As you're faithful with little, you'll be given more. 
Here's just because this is really important. If you solicit good advice, then your plans will succeed. So don't charge into battle without wisdom, for wars are won by skillful strategy. You need a strategy. And because this is an area that we really get lost in in our culture, based on what I said at the beginning, I just want to throw this up, maybe take a picture of the screen. Managing begins with developing new habits, planning and saving with difficulties in mind, so that when the storm comes, you can weather it. Adjusting my living and making new plans with a budget. Plan how I'm going to spend. Make a small priority shifts. Get rid of unnecessary, expensive toys. That depends on who's defining what the toys are. I have a friend who he always got after his wife about spending $20 here, $20 there, and that was fine and good, but then she was like, but you're the one who comes home with a $600 TV, and you came home with a $800 new tires for your vehicle just because they look good. Yeah, but it's really important, honey. No, both. It depends on who is uh, evaluating. Controlling or destroying your credit cards. If you can't control them, get rid of them. And there are some areas that you can get help. MyMoneyCoach.ca, NoMoreDebt.org. There's a number there. It's private. It's confidential. Nonprofit organizations that can help you. Don't let shame hold you. If you're in a spot that you wish you weren't with your finances and you need help to get out of it, sometimes a conversation like that can help you to put the creditors at bay and help you reorder your finances. So let's be people that manage well because when we manage it well, there's more to live and there's more to give. Finally, the prosperity key. This means where God wants you to succeed, where God wants you to do well, where God wants you to have more than you can, more than, than just fits in your hand so that it can go into your other hand and touch somebody else's life. The prosperity with a purpose. The prosperity gospel, that gets people freaked out. But the alternative, I don't believe in the, the, the what's the opposite of that, the poverty gospel that God wants me to be poor. I just simply mean this. The prosperity with a purpose. What God puts into my life is so that it can flow through my life. Let's not get tired of doing what's good. That's sowing. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing uh, if we don't give up. Sowing regularly, waiting patiently, harvesting abundantly. That my life could be different, not only my life, but that my children's life could be different because I practice some of these principles and these keys. The summary of the cycle, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest for schools, for slaves, for the gospel. I want you to turn your attention to the screen real quick. We're going to watch a short video about some of the work that your generosity, your legacy in Africa. We are today in Bonieri, Ghana, and this is Pastor Reverend Charles Niani. And Pastor Charles, I want you to tell us a little bit about uh, the Rural Pastors Program that Horizon Church helps with. Uh, rural Pastors Program has been a tremendous help uh, to the work here in Ghana, West Africa. As, as you are aware, we work in mostly in the villages. All our churches are in the villages, so the income level of the people is very small. So to take care of the pastors has been a, a big problem for all of us. So the Horizon Church coming up with that project, a rural pastor support, has been a tremendous help. And we are able to take care of the pastors 
uh, as we go along. So we thank you so much for the Royal Pastors program. And how long has the church been helping with the rural pastors? Oh, that's so many years ago. Over, I would say over 15 years, 20 years, yes. And how yes. many how many communities do you now have pastors in because of the rural pastors yeah, we, program? We, we, have a, we have 25 branch churches right now in the various places. Uh, some in Takrade, some in the No. Most of the churches, though, are in the villages. Today I'm going to introduce to you in Amala, in Nigeria, this is a pastor. Yes, Pastor Goodman, Innocent. Innocent Goodman? Yes. That's a great name. <laughs> so, it, Pastor, uh, can you tell me what difference it makes to you and your family to receive some support from Canada? Wow, it's something that uh, I don't know exactly the right words to express and explain the, the kind of help that has been to my family. It helps me to pay the fees for my children in the school. And also, it's a very big help to put food on our table. It has been so wonderful. Each month we receive support, we are refreshed. We are encouraged, both spiritually, physically, otherwise. And what is your name, sir? My name is uh, Pastor Henry Oson. And what is the name of this area? This is uh, Okwala. Obala? Okwala. Okay, you say it better. In Ngokwala local government area. And this, this church name? Okwala, Gospel Missionary Church. In this local branch of GMC Church here, honestly, God has been helping us. God has been sustaining us despite the challenges of environmental conditions and problems. Yeah. But we go, we're able to overcome certain problems. Yes. Believing God that we will also make it. Yeah. For we believe that if God is by our side, nobody will ever be against us. Amen. By every heart. Since I came here, uh, God has favored us by adding more souls to Good. this church. Uh, that is why we saw it that it's, uh, it's a need for us to expand the church. Right. Because we have grown the, the house. The, grown, the hall. Yeah, the yeah, the members have grown the hall. Good. So we want to expand it. Even when I came here, uh, build, building this church again is one of my priority. And getting people that will come and worship God in yeah. this church. So by the special grace of God, uh, before the end of this year, we will start something. Church family, these are the kind of people that are working and laboring and we get to do our part, they do their part, and together the kingdom of God advances because of their work and your work. And together, God is moving all over the world, but right here in this village here in Nigeria. So thank you so much for being faithful. Thank, thank you, thank Pastor. You, God bless you. Yes, sir. And we look forward to your continued growth and success. Amen. Yes, amen. Amen. I invite you to stand to your feet. That, that uh, program right there is just one of the things we do globally, uh, the Rural Pastor Program. It's actually a legacy of Pastor Alex, who saw a need to start something like that to help rural pastors. We believe in uh, national people of the nations they're in being able to do a better job than we can. We just come alongside them and help them, and they make a difference in their communities and transform their communities. Legacy is about building bigger dreams than you're currently dreaming, doing more than, together than we could separately. 
And between now and November 24th, we are going to be hearing more stories like that, both from around the world, from our area, and from our city, about opportunities for all of us to give. And uh, I want you to hear some of those stories so that you can give with knowledge. And I don't want you to give with guilt. I want you to actually, and that's why I want you to take that card home and be praying that, God, how would you have me respond? But each of us should give what we plan in our heart to give as the Lord has uh, asked us to. And I actually believe that if you're a part of Horizon Church, that 100% of us should participate in some level uh, as you listen to Jesus. Because it's in us to give, that God gives blessing to us so he can be a blessing through us. Equal sacrifice, not equal amounts. Not under compulsion, but under the leadership of Holy Spirit. And when I'm finished praying, we're going to go into a song and close out, and then we'll be done. But don't go until we sing that song out. But take that card with you. Find the card and just wave it at me that you've got it. Somebody, I want you to make sure you've got one. I want you to take it home, put it on your counter, put it on your fridge, put it on your where you'll see it in the morning. It can be a way that you can look at to give. It can help you to know how to pray and help you to plan how to give in a number of weeks. This is not about Horizon Church's name. It's not about us. It's about that you will understand and know how to move in the blessing of God and that God can move the blessing through you. It's not a have to. It's a get to. Get to. Just wave it. Just raise it. Just wave it at me that you got it. Got it, Pastor. We're going to pray. Remember, just lift it up. Father, thank you. Thank you for churches around the world that know the name of Horizon Church, but more importantly, know that they're supported because people in the room, people that aren't here today, make an intentional choice to give. Father, I pray that you would give us the grace. You would open our ears to hear. You'd help us to overcome fear. Help us to put every key in. Maybe some that we haven't used for a while or one we don't use very well, that you would help us. So that, Father, that we would have a legacy that people would see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Whether that's globally, whether that's regionally and nationally, or that's locally in Metro Vancouver, we thank you that you have blessed us so that you can move blessing through us. And Lord, I pray that in this room that you cause faith to arise, that people that need uh, jobs and better jobs would find them, Lord Jesus, you'd make a way. That people that need help out of pickles that they've got themselves into, difficult spots, that you would help us. Lord, that you give us the wisdom, you give us the courage. But most, most of all, Lord, thank you that everyone in the room has the opportunity to be part of building a legacy that outlasts us. In the strong name of Jesus, amen. Let's sing.